0: Special session of the United Nations, to address Thor's recent destruction of the Eiffel Tower, the Taj Mahal, the Golden Gate Bridge, and the Leaning Tower of Pisa. In Greece, the recent spottings of a gigantic cyclops, have been attributed to a robot, commanded by an alien race called the Achiltarians, like so many other aliens before them, they have returned whence they came. In the United States, the terrorist group known as the Fantastic Four have declined to confront nuclear scientist Otto Octavius, who is reported to have seized power over the US Atomic Research Center. A spokesperson for Lord Doom's hated enemy, Reed Richards, cited, quote, Other commitments. This is Gustav Croft for the VOL. Zero, zero,
1: 004 This is the voice of Latveria, 004. Here in Latvia, we get news from all over the world. The news may be good or bad, but we will always tell you the truth, as Law Doom sees it.
0: And now, our weekly feature on the history of our world's greatest hero, Victor Von Doom, with your host Douglas Woke, by special arrangement with Universe 1218.
2: Thank you, H 1376 so, before I get started this week, I'd like to note that we'd like to start answering listener questions about everything having to do with Doctor Doom, this show, and Latvian culture in general. Please send us your questions. The address to email them to is faithfulretainerboris at voiceoflatvaria.com. I'm your host, Douglas Walk, and this week I'm going to be discussing Fantastic Four, number sixteen and seventeen, with Arthur Wyatt. Arthur is a comics writer and JavaScript developer. He's the founder of the small press anthology series Future Quake and a frequent contributor to Judge Dread magazine in 2000 AD and generally a hell of a lot of fun to talk about stories with. Arthur, welcome. What actually
0: happens in 16 and 17? 16 is is, is pretty easy. I mean, this is the first... Well, let me start at the beginning. I mean... Johnny Storm is, is rushing back to the Fantastic Four HQ because everyone has disappeared, except actually they're tiny. They've all shrunk. And then it turns out everyone has been having sort of turning tiny problems all day long and just not mentioned it to each other. They, they don't want to like show their hand or you know I don't want to trouble the,
2: the other Fantastic Three with like my shrinking to tiny size. Let's let's not bug them with that. Yeah, right? I
0: just almost crashed into a building because I was too small to reach the controls. It's normal Fantastic Four stuff. But so they've all shrunk and they, they decide that,
2: uh, oh, oh, who do we know who's good at shrinking? Ant-Man. The grim-faced, helmeted man, Ant-Man. Yes. When they mention Ant-Man, he's got this amazing sort of GPS slash airwave monitoring system where whenever ants happen to hear the name Ant-Man spoken,
0: they communicate it to an ant network and the word gets back to Ant-Man. It's pretty fantastic. He's there listening in on it with a... Actually, a different helmet from his normal one, which uh, this is a very good pair of comics for helmets, I have to say. (laughs) I mean, it's Kirby. Like, of course, you're going to get some good helmets. Yeah. So he's rushing across town in a little cannon and uh, on the back of some wing dance. And he turns up. And here's the thing that's kind of weird to me. Um, Do they know that he is a big person? Because... He turns up small and they bring out a special magnifying cube for him and they don't seem to know that he can can appear as a, a life-size person as well.
2: And you know, Kirby was drawing most of those Ant-Man stories, too. So you'd think that if that were a possibility, it would have occurred to him. So let, let's let's just say,
0: like, for some reason, they think he can only stay small. And he gives them some anti-shrinking stuff to uh, to, to help them with their problem. Uh, and they all go off on their
2: way, shrinking and anti-shrinking stuff, but they don't they don't actually do anything with it immediately. Instead, they uh, go over to Alicia's place, where
0: Ben Grimm, as the thing, is lifting a piano with one hand. yeah. and and Reed Richards turns up to reverse him back into not the thing, which mm-hmm. uh, I guess that happened pretty frequently, very frequently. <laughs> But
2: he does it while, like, feeds him the serum while he's still holding the piano up.
0: <laughs> yeah, which collapses with a big bong as he, he briefly turns back into uh, Ben Grimm and Alicia is confused by this. But before the, it can be unconfused, you know, Ben says, you know, instead of trying to
2: change me back, could you try to work on making her not blind? And that's something that will... That will turn up a few, few issues later when they end up traveling back in time to visit Ramatot to discover his uh, magical sight-restoring potion. But they don't deal with it at the moment because just then uh, there's, oh no, it's a strange girl's voice from far away. So faint.
0: So faint. Yeah. And uh, then we cut straight to, to Johnny Storm, uh, who is uh, entertaining some students, uh, lots of hot dogs and flaming lassos and melting rocks. And he gets the same thing. Flee for your life. Beware of Dr. Doom. And then Sue
2: is trying to test out like anti-perfumes, which will allow her to avoid dogs, which can find her because of her sense of smell. And apparently like she's got a bunch of dogs in the Baxter building who were never seen before or after this, but Mm -hmm. she's trying this out and uh, it doesn't work. The dogs can still find her. And she too gets the flee for your life thing, just as the other three show up and, suddenly think about like, Oh yeah, right. The shrinking thing. Yeah. We should investigate that.
0: Yeah. So everyone turns up, everyone really wants to know about this. They all start to shrink and quickly take the enlarging formula Uh, to slow down the shrinking, to slow down the shrinking, which slows them down just at the right moment to appear in the court of Dr. Doom in micro world. No, this is a, a court that actually looks like, you know, 13th
2: century English court, pretty much. Like knights, armor, the works. Uh, Kirby style. Kirby style. Because there's also a sort of seashell throne that Dr. Doom is sitting on
0: that looks like it's been imported over from Atlantis. So I guess this is this is like the first microverse incarnation. Yes, yeah, I suppose so. It's sort of a recurring thing but i think they do different stuff with it later but yeah doom's very much in his throne with his gadgets for shrinking people even more so he's, he's in his doom zone here so he shrinks them down helplessly and then has a good old rant
2: he rants basically about how he survived being shrunk down to nothingness the last time they fought like six issues earlier which was that the somehow ended up in this micro world. Now, it's eventually established that if you shrink down far enough, you don't just get tinier and tinier, you get tiny and end up in the microverse, which is a whole universe that you can only get by getting tiny enough. It later Mm -hmm. turns out that there's also a macroverse that you can only reach by getting large enough, but that's a whole other thing.
0: Right, and there's a sort of odd, you go in anywhere, and if you are sufficiently small, you end up in this place. Yes. Which they they don't really quite clarify that here, but I guess that that happens later, and then it happens in the movies with the quantum realm and and so on. Uh, And eventually there'll be a toy line. Uh, (laughs) Doom has been trapped in this microverse for some time, and he's essentially taken over with his advanced science and ability to make telescopes, which are eventually... Leads him to become absolute ruler with his own shrinking molecular ray. That I guess is how he's been contacting the uh, the larger world. Right. Uh, he created the voice, enabling me to
1: send my voice and my ray through the infinite to reach you and the world above. I played with you as a cat plays with a mouse. And this, of course, cues a uh, you know Kirby
2: fight with uh, Fantastic Four and uh, a bunch of armored microverse people, which. Ends in defeat for the FF because, you know, inevitably they're tiny and Doom is big. We very often see Doom huge compared to anyone around him. This, this is a motif that keeps going
0: on for decades and decades. Like mm. the looming figure of Doom above the landscape. They are possibly a chess set. They might not be. In this case, he's uh, catching Sue in a glass like a bug. Yes. And that somehow
2: this turns into a conversation with the princess of the realm, uh, Princess Perla, who it turns out has a big old crush on Johnny Storm. And then there's some discussion about a war with uh, a planet within this micro realm mm-hmm. called the planet Talk that has uh, terrible lizard men who are going to
0: invade and enslave them. And but- just, to, just to double back for a second, they're, they're in an <laughs> acid prison. <laughs> Oh yes, acid prison. Robot fish. So it's sort of like a a sort of submarine base in an acid sea that has fake fish swimming around it. Right. While
2: all this exposition is going on. This is all happening in one issue.
0: One issue. (laughs) I mean, there's a lot. This isn't even the second one, which is no, this
2: it's going to get crazier in just a few pages. I'm warning (laughs) if you're listening right now, I'm warning you prepare for the absolute Kirby insanity. But in the middle of the exposition, suddenly Ant-Man has decided to go check in on the Fantastic Four to whom he gave these magical like shrinking and enlarging formulas. And then they did nothing with them at the time a couple of days ago and sees some bits of uh, glass lying around the floor and goes, oh, they must be in trouble. I have to shrink down and follow them. Uh, Which I guess is when he discovers the microverse, which he's very unsurprised by it. (laughs) I assume he's kind of seen it before, like he must have gotten that small at some point right
0: I mean it's his thing he, they yeah. called him in for it so yeah. but yeah straight away he's in there and immediately gets beaten up
2: uh, and uh, the fantastic Four meanwhile managed to escape from the uh, bathysphere surrounded by robot fish within the acid bath by it this doesn't even make any sense like they they, they make a capsule with a uh, a ballast bag which the thing inflates by blowing really hard into it.
0: Yeah. They're they're building it out of the stuff that the, uh, the undersea base is built of, which I think is smart. It's, it's kind of the, why don't they make uh, airplanes out of the same thing as the black box thing? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) basically. So yeah, I do not understand what the thing is doing there. He's, he's exhaling into the, uh, into the, I guess the bottom of the capsule, which is flexible and expands. And I, yeah, I don't get it. I I think there is an understanding of how submarines work here. Uh, I'm not going to say it's wrong (laughs) because I don't really understand how submarines work, but- It's it's 616 physics.
2: Yeah. (laughs) This this is Marvel Universe physics. It's special. And they go back and
0: they beat up Dr. Doom and Dr. Doom escapes. I mean, in this one and in the next one, which we'll get to, he's kind of got this almost sort of Q-like quality, uh, like Q from the next generation. That Q, okay. Yes. (laughs) Not famous recent Q. Uh, No, he just sort of, he turns up, he does some incredibly random crap, and then he's off again. And you you sort of think of him as, you know, the authoritarian leader of Lanthiria. But here he's more of a mischievous prankster, really. What is even his goal in this issue?
2: To lure the Fantastic Four to a micro world and
0: kill them there? Elaborately? For previously having defeated him time traveling and getting Blackbeard treasure. And I, I don't know what else has he done? I mean, the, the classical Dr. Doom archetype I have is he's got Doom bots, he's got a country, there's castles, there's, there's almost none of this. There's a castle-ish in the microverse, but it's a, a loner. Right, and he's, he's just kind of a malign
2: force for no particular reason here. And this gets explained a little more in the next issue, but here he's just, he's just doing the villain thing uh, for unclear reasons. But so the Fantastic Four, like having you know, saved the day, uh, you know, bid farewell to the uh, princess who calls Johnny the most fascinating man she's ever met. Um, she will turn up again many years later in Marvel 2 and 1.
0: Uh, <laughs> and he's saying, I can't leave my pods, Perla, but maybe I'll be, someday I'll be back. Yeah, I mean, there's also his
2: girlfriend who appears in the Strange Tales stories, but basically never turns up in Fantastic Four. He doesn't talk about her much. He's yeah. bad boyfriend, Johnny Storm. Bad boyfriend. Knock off the mush stuff, hothead. That's what the thing tells him. And <laughs> so they enlarge themselves again after a, a scene that we don't see until the next issue where uh, she actually gives Johnny a knighthood. Off panel of this issue. You, there's just a flashback to it next time.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the range of this one uh, page, which is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, Ten panels. Ten panels. It goes from Dr. Doom escaping through a, uh, a trap door, uh, him enlarging into the, uh, to the the wider world, a fight scene, right, <laughs> reconciliation with the king and this scene between Johnny and the princess, um, the thing wisecracking, and then a silhouette of them all as they uh, bid farewell. This is Jack Kirby realizing... Oh God, I'm up to page 22.
2: We better wrap things up real fast. <laughs> like going for the very small panels to get it all in.
0: Yeah, it's 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 pretty good. I mean, yeah. like sometimes when you read these old comics and you hit a, a wall of panels and text like this, you know, it can be pretty stodgy to get through. But this one's a joy to read. Even this last page, that's kind of super rushed, is pretty breezy. And it is nothing compared to the absolute
2: madness of Fantastic Four 17. <laughs> absolute madness. Defeated by Dr. Doom is the story. It's a Kirby drawing, Dick Ayers inking, Stanley writing the script, and... I, I believe what, what, what you had said about it uh, earlier, Arthur, is that it, it is impossible to summarize the plot of this one because things just happen. Every they page st- is different. <laughs> yeah, it, they just happen, and they just keep happening. And
0: we let, Let's take a stab at it. We can try. Okay, so page one, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the same bye-bye to Ant-Man and then reading about him in a magazine. Yes. Yeah. And then they, they recap the previous
2: issue. We get to see the scene where they get knighted. And they start trying to uh, look for Dr. Doom to figure out where, where he
0: went. This is, the, this is where there is the, the second incredible helmet. Yes. Uh, Which is
2: <laughs> a highly refined radar set, extra sensitive to human flesh
0: covered by steel. It's a Dr. Doom detector. Yeah. It has no other function. And this thing is like a radar dish attached to, um, some kind of moped Kirby thing, eventually <laughs> wired up to a helmet, which Reed is wearing with an antenna on top. Yeah. It's amazing. It's, it's
2: really extraordinary. Um, uh, so, uh, Ben goes off to, uh, try to find him, thinks he sees doom, falls down a manhole, uh, busts through the pavement, just like he did back in Fantastic Four number one, goes after him and discovers that it's not really doom. It's just a guy wearing armor and a cape to
0: advertise a movie about knights. And then we get Invisible Girl, who is uh, thinking she has stumbled into some mobsters showing off a new uh, kind of Tommy gun. Uh, she pushes it so it, its aim goes astray, and then it turns out it fires ping pong balls, which is actually a new kind of toy, and she's just ruined its inventor's day because now he'll never sell it. We assume that uh,
2: because she's involved with Fantastic Four, she's got a bunch of money, she could probably you know, clear up the situation or help, help this poor inventor out, but no, she just, she just jets
0: yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not entirely sure why this meeting is happening uh, just randomly in the street outside of a the theater. It looks like they they meet up to compare notes.
2: They uh, discover that there are fans waiting for them in the lobby, uh, and they need to escape them. But then one of the janitors uh, tells them, "Oh, you can instead of going up by your usual elevator, you can go out by the freight elevator." But the gender is actually Doctor Doom in disguise and takes advantage of uh, the confusion to slap quote specially treated idento disks onto their hands
0: yeah he appears to pretty much just shake off some dungarees and a false beard and be doctor doom underneath yeah they
2: don't recognize him at all uh, you know once he's got his corn cob pipe out of his mouth like i assume his metallic voice comes back and so they, they start getting tracked around and johnny is now on a date with somebody called helen Two timing his girlfriend, yeah, and a thing
0: turns up. Uh, what do you it's think? Sort of, it, it's a it's a uh, floating blobby creature. It's it's
2: kind of the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man, right?
0: Yeah, uh, and each of the Fantastic Four gets one of these things, just sort of trailing them around. Some of them with sort of odd characteristics to to I guess match each member, like the. The one following Sue is sort of polka dot. The one following uh, the thing he can't punch. Uh, And so they
2: they meet up again. They discover that, oh no, they have been being tracked all along. And Dr. Doom, who has been monitoring them all all along, doesn't attack them quite yet,
1: uh, decides that he's going to quote, strike at them through their weakest link, the one whom the thing loves, the sightless Alicia. Uh, and then we get a panel that tells us a lot about Doom. He says, Although my brain is the equal of Reed Richards himself. The equal? Doesn't he mean superior? The equal. I too have had my one weak spot. I have never fully understood other human beings. Even now, I cannot comprehend how one as lovely as Alicia can feel affection for the grotesque thing. And, and then he goes into a self-pitying rant about his face like he, he tends to. But uh,
2: the bit where he says he doesn't really fully understand other human beings, that you know, that's that's some insight there. That is that is the first of several moments of
0: insight into Doom's character that we'll see this time. Yeah, he's doing some quality vamping in front of that mirror there. He's, he's taken off his mask and he's kind of thrown his cloak in front of his face to hide it, Dis- despite having taken off his mask, presumably to look at it. He
2: abducts Alicia with a grappler ray uh, operated from a giant floating
0: laboratory. No, it's very Buck Rogers slash Flash Gordon looking.
2: But the first, the Fantastic Four here about this is when it ends up on the front page of a newspaper, the Daily Herald, which they see later that day.
0: And it's... Only a little while after that, that Dr. Doom appears as a giant floating head to rant at them all, which I don't know if he's done this previously, but that is classic Doom. It really is. Yeah, that's it. He's a
2: giant floating head, and then he's a giant
0: floating glove for a panel,
2: disappears as Reed and Ben start fighting amongst themselves, uh, do monologues a
1: little more, and then he goes into his next self-revealing speech. He says, For it is not money I seek, not personal gain. With my genius, I can make fortunes easily as others make pennies. No, what I crave is power, and that is what I shall have. He wants power. What does he want power for?
2: We don't know yet. We'll find
0: out. Not this um, time. But we will find out eventually. He doesn't mention having a country. No, he doesn't. Um, in fact, what he wants is uh, he wants a post in the president's cabinet. Yes. At least cabinet rank. At least yeah like presumably a good one like you know commerce or something defense
2: yes Uh, this is where we cut to a scene with john f kennedy who is seen first from behind in a rocking chair and then just like a cutaway of his hair
0: yeah that is that is very good you know marvel presidenting is not always uh as strong a game as the dc presidenting i feel but that's That's very definitely him, but not shown. Uh,
2: And he he says, we must move forward and proceed with great vigor. These are phrases that he used in speeches around this time. And uh, as soon as he's finished uh, monologuing about taking on Dr. Doom, he says, and now, gentlemen, if you'll excuse me, it's Caroline's bedtime. Uh, We've, in fact, seen uh, apparently like Caroline and Jackie uh, in silhouette in the panel before that.
0: It's. Then the Doctor Doom begins some kind of electronic attack, making missiles go haywire and uh, machines stop in factories. We cut to the Soviet Union, where they're very, uh, very pleased by this until they figure out the same thing could happen to them. So I I guess we're making the very clear point that uh, Doctor Doom is not aligned with... Eva Power, mm-hmm. and then uh, straight back to the uh, Fantastic Four, who are visited by a pipe smoking man from the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He's not Nick Fury. He doesn't look like Nick Fury at all. He is a colonel. He's like a stock character from a fifties
2: movie, almost pretty much. Reed has taken, uh, with the aid of his electro scanner. He takes an ultraviolet ray photo of a strange cloud hovering over the city that has Doom's ship inside it, armed with disintegrator ray guns based on printed circuits of their of the Fantastic Four's specific molecular body structures. They're not, they're not disintegrator pistols that can disintegrate anything. They can only disintegrate the Fantastic Four.
0: Yeah, and in fact, they have a cross section of it and it looks like there's little models of the fantastic four inside of it and that's it's very curious i do not know what's going on with this but it appears to be the uh, a machine that's that's very similar to some kind of voodoo principle (laughs) where if you have a tiny model of one of the Fantastic Four, you can uh, disintegrate them. So Reed, of course,
2: takes this as a challenge and starts frantically inventing stuff to turn the thing back into Ben Grimm, which you know, is one of his long-term goals, but you know, today he has to do it just for a little while. So you can tell he's working really hard because by the end of the six-panel six sequence, he's grown, grown a whole bunch of stubble. <laughs> and... Uh, tragically uh gives his friend the magic potion that will turn him back into ben the thing turns back into ben Grimm, and then is uh, inside quote a silent transparent magnetically powered one man plastic bubble which frankly
0: just looks like sperm it looks like a sperm it really Um, does i think the little wiggly things are actually supposed to be some kind of anti-radar chaff yeah but it makes it look like sperm. It really does. And the sperm manages
2: to like penetrate the giant floating spaceship, whereupon we get, I guess, Ben Grimm making his O-face. You really don't want to think about that, do you? <laughs> and it uh, turns back into the thing and starts smashing
0: stuff up. Yeah, he, he actually grimaces as he, uh, he transforms back to the thing in uh, uh, kind of a suggestive way. Yeah, it's, yeah. And then he's on to smashing disintegrators. Having done that, he smashes things up and
2: suddenly the rest of the Fantastic Four are there with him again. This is explained away, like Stanley writes a a bit of dialogue, so the others can follow me up here and join the
0: party, but really it's, it's writing them into the scene somehow. They uh, have a, a, a little tiny aircraft with a big magnet on the front, Oh yes, so they do. zooms up to the airship, attaches to the side, and makes a big bong sound effect. Also, like all Fantastic Four devices, it's like they just had that lying around in case they needed one. <laughs> Reed is a very good contingency
2: planner. So, of course, immediately they, they each head off in a different direction, like you do if you want to stumble into a death trap like the Fantastic Four inevitably
0: do in these stories. I I think uh, Reed says, disperse, don't give him a chance to attack us together.
2: Uh, That's not how it works. So they they all go off off separately. And of course they all go into like separate death traps whereupon I'm thinking of that old future shock story about like undergoing supervillain training like the supervillain training course where you you have the uh, hero at your mercy. What are you supposed to do? And the trainee says, it shoot him. Like, shoot him? With <laughs> <In> a gun? <laughs> no, of course you don't. You have to come up with some really elaborate death trap. Uh, the death trap in this case is hurtling power spheres, which are attracted by the Fantastic Four's body heat, and circle them and entrap them. And "And, says,
1: and now my spheres are spiriting them into another dimension from which they can never escape until the end of time. In another dimension.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Shoot this, them. Shoot them. This doesn't work because it just doesn't. Oh, oh no. And then, then Johnny explains why it doesn't work. It's because he has the ability to make flame images. I, I don't know if he's done this before or after, but he is able to create fully realistic images of the Fantastic Four out of flame.
2: Now, I assume this worked only because Doom has a monochrome monitor. It's, he's, he's watching in black and white. If it were color, like, maybe he wouldn't have been able to simulate colors with flame. Maybe mm. he can. Uh, he
0: produces a, uh, a full color of Dr. Doom. Out oh, of so he does. Dinner. So he, he does colored flame, I guess. Yeah. He can do anything so long as it's brightly colored. Sue, of course, is the person who actually wins here.
2: Because Sue is the person who always actually wins. She is the best. She switches places with Alicia, convinces Doom that she is Alicia just by like sitting with her hair done the same way in the same general pose. The hair is not the same color. Mm. I mean, admittedly, there's a panel in the previous issue where
0: uh, Ben is talking to Alicia and calls her Sue. So, yeah. I mean, this is uh, this is a nice high-backed chair. So it's just the top of their head that's showing. But, you know, one is platinum and blonde. The other is, uh, I think that's a redhead in Marvel coloring terms. And it's
2: a very nicely designed chair. I mean, it, it is like total like mid-century modern supervillain.
0: Mm, with some nice little fruit and a glass of milk off to one side.
2: Yeah. She changes places, escapes yet another death trap, uh, beats him with judo, which she then explains she was taught by, quote, one of the world's greatest judo experts, Reed Richards.
0: Yeah, what? he doesn't
2: have bones. so no, um, Presumably that would make him better at judo. Yeah. But we've never seen him using martial arts
0: of any kind. No, he just does bendy stuff. Yeah. And they they fight over a button. Right. And then suddenly everyone bursts in um, because uh, Doom's kind of got bored of this and pulled a gun. Johnny melts the gun. And Doom, oh, it's another one of our, our everything happening in one pages. Yes. Okay, so panel one, Johnny melts the gun. Panel two and three, uh, Doom is jumping out of a hatch. Panels uh, four, five, and six, he's falling down through the sky and disappearing as a dot. And then in panels seven, eight, and nine, we're, we're just sort of reconciling everyone together and having a, a good bit of, uh, of banter at the end.
2: So my question is, what do we know about Doom now from this
0: story? What, what, what does this tell us about him? I mean, not a lot. There's not even a castle in this one. No, no um, castle at all. Now, I, I'm sure I've read one which had a... In, in this general set, I read one that had a castle, and it was unclear where it actually was, and it was vaguely implied uh, it was sort of somewhere outside of New York. Here, he's floating around in an airship. He has a plan that is totally random, that is maybe for revenge, maybe for becoming the agriculture secretary Um, he has a lot of threats to the city um, that he talks about, but doesn't really do. He has an enormous number of death traps in this airship. Like I, I think of this as like, you know, if you are playing Dungeons and Dragons and you're the dungeon master and you've set up a nice sort of twisty maze of traps You know, your your party is going to hit, like, maybe a third of them normally. Right. (laughs) So he he must have a whole bunch of traps that they just sort of, like, didn't happen to turn down that corridor for.
2: Well, no, they went down all the corridors.
0: Yeah, this is true. They split up to hit all the traps.
2: (laughs) and In fact, to hit the traps that were specifically designed for them.
0: Yeah, Reed Richards... I really like this couple of panels where he, uh, his trap is he gets stuck in a room where concrete is pouring in and he becomes extremely long and bendy to kind of squeeze through the air gaps in the concrete. That's really, really bendy. Yes. Um,
2: and then he like sneaks out under the door frame.
0: Yeah, it's just, it's it's a very cool visual. I think it kind of takes the the bendiness beyond a, a level we we normally see. Like it's almost like he's microscopically threading himself through the structure of the concrete.
2: What might be that other dimension that he's sending them to in lieu of killing them?
0: I mean, is it a microverse? Is it a phantom, well, a, a negative zone? It's do we have a negative zone yet? We don't have a negative zone yet. Yeah, I mean it's just it's pretty much just an unescapable dimension. Yeah. So Doom has dimensions. He he's does big on sending people to them and or ruling them, and or uh, he's really really into surveillance. Yeah, and appearing as a giant floating head. Yes. I mean he's showy. I mean that is that is I think a consistent doom thing is if he can appear in giant semi-transparent form and explain his plan to you, he's totally going to do that. Yeah. He loves lounging around and explaining things from a distance.
2: Now, none of this makes sense if you know what's happening on the next page. It is. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, this is very, very seat of the pants. And then this next thing kind
0: of yeah. I mean, the, the, the microverse story, that has a plot and it has a few sort of slightly crazy turns like the the bathosphere escape. But, you yeah, know, it's it's pretty linear and, you know, it, it has a shape to the plot. This is just like incident. And it's, if you told me that they, they sort of did this exquisite corpse style and just sort of wrote, and then this happened, and then this happened without... Well, checking the previous thing at all i would totally believe that
2: but everybody in this story is so optimistic about whatever they're doing all the time everybody is so absolutely sure that what they're doing is going to succeed hmm. and it pretty much does I and mean, it's like jfk is in it this is it is, it is a camelot moment it is a like <laughs> a american can do kind of moment for every single character in it
0: yeah, I mean even the thing who's kind of the grumpy one is, you know, pretty upbeat about his sewer adventure and everything. <laughs> I mean, another sort of uncharacteristic Doom thing, his whole disguise thing. Yeah. Does Doom do that normally? I don't think we've seen Doom disguise himself otherwise.
2: I mean, ordinarily if he wants to be somebody else, he will just switch brains with them, like because that's what yeah. he knows to do, because cause the ovoids he can like switch bodies with people.
0: Yeah, I mean, or send a robot or something, or yes. just sort of have someone hypnotized, and then when they've done whatever he wants, he can appear as a giant, transparent figure and rant about things. Here, he like he's scruffy, the the, the caretaker, and he's got like a little accent and everything, <laughs> and his kung cob pipe, and then you know just shrugs it off and is fully dressed as dr doom underneath apart from his cloak which he's got in a closet
2: <laughs> you know i have to wonder if this might not actually not be Doom, but be some sort of malfunctioning Doombot.
0: it's very strange and then a short time later we have him releasing his uh his weird air bot things i don't know if that showed up again since but you know these things are, are very capable and they're robots so you know robot minions fair that's fair. a thing i don't know if they've shown up previously but you know they they're very they're very sort of blobby in in a kind of distinctive way which doesn't feel like doom tech you know they're sort of whimsical yeah, he does threaten to uh, destroy New York using uh, fast-growing spores he or does. a hallucination ray. That's true. He does do that. He doesn't actually carry through with that, though. Yeah, he his actual villainous thing he does, I guess, is messing with a rocket test and shutting down a factory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, that's problematic. And possibly communist, though they deny it. <laughs> and uh, sending some sort of... Uh
2: vaguely threatening real to reel tape to John F. Kennedy, <laughs> demanding a cabinet position. I and mean, he might actually be pretty good at a cabinet position, right?
0: I mean, I, I think he would be, I mean, he's good at being monomaniacal. So if something was sort of nicely focused, he's got a big science background, likes the big technocratic solution to things. I'm thinking uh, he, he's actually more like sort of a Pete, Budget Secretary of Transportation. I'm going to get a bunch of monorails and uh, Hyperloops out of that. (laughs) Yeah, just think of the devices. I mean, if you could uh, get some
2: sort of transportation system that involved giant floating airships. Yeah, tubes, tubes everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. Arthur Wyatt, thank you so much again for joining us. Next week, I'll be talking about Invaders number 32 and 33 and Marvel Universe number 2, with special guest Alex Ross. Not the Alex Ross you're probably thinking of. Different Alex Ross. The Voice of Latveria podcast is made possible by the patronage of listeners like you. If you support us through patreon.com slash douglaswolk, you'll get access to our private book club and discussion board for Marvel nerds, the 616 Society. You can find out more about this podcast on our website, voiceoflatveria.com, and follow us on Twitter. This is Douglas Wolk for the VOL.
1: 004. This is the voice of Latveria. 004.
0: Tomorrow, on Cooking Like Cynthia, we will learn how to make more of young Victor Von Doom's favourite Romani dishes, including Sama, Bokro, and lemon and garlic chicken. This concludes our broadcast day. May Doom's terrifying face inspire you to devotedly implement his policies until you die.